Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome to Crossbridge. My name is Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor, and I want to welcome those in Peru, those in Morris, and those online, on our online campus. I know we had some great celebrations last week, At uh, heard all about it, a great celebration in Peru of five years, and a great celebration in Morris of their one-year anniversary, and uh, I just want to personally say I'm thankful for all of you, and uh, that you are a part of Crossbridge One Church in many locations. Um, we're going to dive in today, believe it or not, if, if you've, maybe it's your first Sunday, but we've been on a long journey through this book called The Story. We started in the book of Genesis, and we are headed towards Revelation, but we just crossed over from the Old Testament to the New Testament today. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing with you. And um, here's what I want us to do. Um, I want you just to bow your heads with me, and I'm going to pray for us in just a moment but I really want you just to bow in silence for about 10 seconds. Are you ready? We can do this. All right. Father, I thank you for today, and I, I thank you um, even for silence. And we don't get that very often in our lives, and uh, we rush and we run and it's noisy and our phones and computers and televisions and radios and people and uh, God, I, I, but I'm thankful for a day in which we can carve out some time with you and we can listen and hear what you want to say. And God, I pray that'd be exactly what would take place today. You would open our hearts, that we would be quiet enough to hear your voice. I ask for your help today in Jesus' name, amen. We don't get quiet very often. Um, I know in my life, I don't just get and sit to sit and uh, listen to nothing very often. Uh, one of the things I want you to think about as we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's kind of a gap here. Uh, there's a gap, and every, every week there's a gap as I'm telling you stories. There's not all these stories that are just back to back to back in, in real time. But in this case, when we jump over to the New Testament, there's about a 400-year gap where it was like God was pretty silent. 10 seconds felt like a long time. Imagine what 400 years would feel like. And uh, the truth is, though, God is still very, very present. In fact, when, when we enter here after 400 years, God shows up. In fact, um, we're talking about turning points, right? That's the name of the series. And when I think of a turning point, I think of the point in which everything changes, uh, we've been working through the Old Testament, and everything has been pointing to this coming of Jesus, which is happening right here in the story. Like, it's quiet, and then there's a turning point, and Jesus enters, and everything changes. I was talking to a couple last week at the Ottawa campus, and they were telling me that um, they were one week out from having their new baby. And man, you could see the anticipation, you could see the excitement, you could kind of see the fear in their eyes a little bit. And one of the things I said to them is I said, man, I am so excited for you. I said, everything is getting ready to change. 
I remember when um, we adopted our children, they were six years old and eight years old. And the moment we brought them home, everything changed. Everything changed from the inside. Um, my life changed. My perspective changed as these little children um, were in our family. It just couldn't be helped. You know, when I look at the birth story of Jesus, uh, we do this every year. Yeah, you, you guessed it, around December. That's typically time we look at this story. And, and one of the things about this story is that it is a really crazy story that, when, that you know, when God enters. Do you ever find yourself caught up? This, this was a question I was pondering this week. Do you ever find yourself caught up in life saying, man, this feels like a mess, and how did I get here? Like, how did I get from here to here? And we find ourselves a little bit in over our heads or in messy situations, and we think, huh, how did I get here? A couple weeks ago, my son turned 16 years old, and uh, it was his birthday. Like, we were actually on the day. It was a Saturday, um, and he had planned a little party that evening for his friends, and he was, he was really excited about it. They were going to go out to eat, and then they were going to go catch a movie. Um, the downside of his birthday was he was grounded from his phone. And he's probably not going to like this story. But um, he was grounded from his phone. Yes, I'm a terrible dad. Who would ground their kid from their phone um, on their birthday? But it was his fault. So a, a week prior, he had done something, and I'd taken the phone, and he hadn't got it back yet. The issue was we were trying to plan this party. And so he's trying to contact his friends, and each night I would give it to him and say, okay, check your messages, and I'd stand there with him. He would send a few messages, he would check them, and they would hand it back to me. Well, come Saturday night, um, as I'm at church, and this party's getting ready to happen, I, like, I'm actually on his Instagram account with his messages, and messages are popping in. Kids are saying, hey, I'll see you there, and, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, I, you know, I, Gerald's not responding. And, um, and then one of his little friends, this, this girl, she says, um, this message pops in, and I happen to notice it right before church starts, and it says this. It says, um, Gerald, um, am I invited to your party? And I don't know who the girl is, and I'm looking at that, and I just kind of felt bad for her. So I was like, I mean, do I invite her? Do I invite her for Gerald? Gerald, I don't even know if Gerald knows her, really, but he's like, Am I, am I invited to the party? And so I was like, I, pick, I picked up the phone and I opened his messages. I was like, sure, you're welcome to come. And, and then she pops back another message. She says, she says, are you sure? At this point, I'm thinking, like, is this, this, is this questionable? You know, so I actually run from the worship center to the nursery. And I said, Tamara, do you know this girl? And is there any reason why she would not be okay to come to Gerald's party? And he's, she says, dad, I think she's a good girl. I said, Sure, I would love for you to come. <laughs> and at that point, she says, she says, well, I'll bring you a gift. And, and then I thought, oh, man, this is just going on too long, right? And I was like, no gifts necessary, just show up. And, uh, and, and there was a point in this where I just thought, I am way over my head. Like, I wanted just to get out of the conversation. Here's what I discovered later. I discovered that um, I should have probably communicated to someone that she was coming. She shows up there. Gerald doesn't even know. Very awkward situation. She's thinking she's talking to Gerald. And uh, yeah, way, way too deep of the situation. Hey, the reason I tell you that story, Joseph and Mary, they're in the same kind of situation. Uh, they wake up and find themselves in a situation where they're like, how did we get here and we need to get out of this? 
In fact, um, context, right? In the lower story, this birth story, it's a scandal. It looks like a scandal from everyone who can see it. We have a young couple, they're engaged to be married. Out of nowhere, we have a young girl who ends up pregnant. Her fiance is not the father. And when words get out in the little town of Nazareth, it will be big news. What is he going to do? Joseph was not the type to yell and scream from the rooftops. And so he decides to do um, what he felt like was the respectful thing. And he was going to bow out quietly. From the upper story, God has this plan, though, and he sees it so much differently. Um, I heard a line from Randy Frazee, and here's what it says. It says, God doesn't see a scandal. God sees a solution. Let me say that again. I want you to wrap your heads around it. God doesn't see a scandal. God sees a solution. God takes a scandal that everyone else on the, in the lower story is seeing and going, oh, what a terrible story. And he reveals the greatest redemption story ever told. His birth is not the result of a scandal, but it's a solution to our scandal, to our sin. This is the solution that everyone has been waiting on. This is the solution that the Old Testament has been pointing towards for years. That will be the solution to God getting his people back. And this solution is in the stomach of Mary. Just a crazy story. And, and here's what we know according to Scripture is that Jesus is coming to be the Savior for all people. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. First Timothy, I love how Timothy puts this because he, he, he not only says that in a sense Jesus is coming to save all the people, but he, he makes it personal, which we should too. And here's what it says. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Jesus came to forgive you. You know, it's so easy to look at this story from a generic, high-flying, big perspective. Oh, yeah, Jesus came for all people. But when we plug it into our lives and we look at our past and we look at some of the times that we got it so wrong, some of the times that we feel guilty about, truthfully, some of the times that we feel shame about, and we recognize this story is for us. Jumping back in the story, it says this, but after he considered this, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Now, <laughs> I was thinking about Joseph. You, you hear from this angel, you hear this story, and I mean, I mean I'm sure he's wishing that everyone would have heard this because I can't imagine, you know, from the way everything looks from this lower level story that he's supposed to go home and not be afraid to take her as his wife because the Holy Spirit's done this. Can, can you imagine, you know, I, I was thinking if my daughter came home or my son came home and said, hey, dad, uh, let me just explain this. The Holy Spirit did it. You know, like, I, that's not going to go well, right? Joseph, like imagine the sticky mess of a situation that he's in. But here's what that angel is saying. What that angel is saying is, Joseph, this looks so bad, but this is actually good. 
This angel is saying, this looks in opposition to God, but Joseph, this is actually from God. From the lower story, it looks like the baby is conceived out of sin, but according to the upper story, here's what we know. This baby is conceived without sin. That there is this great reversal, there's this great turning point in the midst of this story that really reveals, in the way God comes, he reveals who he is at his very, very core. I want to pause right here for just a second, and I, and I want you really to think about this and apply it to your life. My guess is this. There are things in your life right now that look bad. There are things in your life that you would say that is exactly opposite of God. There are things in your life, maybe sin in your life, that you would say, oh, like there's no way that God could like work within this. And may this story remind you that God is really good at taking scandal and bringing about solution. That God is really good about taking things that look like they are a mess and redeeming them. He is good at taking the bad and, and having a turning point and bringing about the good. That's who he is. I think one of the things that God um, wants us to believe that truth is I struggle with at times, and my guess is you do too, is, is that as we live through life, God wants us to believe that he's always capable around every corner of breaking in and causing a turning point, that he is the factor that changes things. You know, um, just to share a little inside um, information with you, kind of some interesting things, but um, you know, at Crossbridge, my job is always to be looking out and, and trying to see the future and asking God, like, what, what is next for us? And, and there's things I dream about, you know, and one of the things I dream about is actually happening at the Ottawa campus right now. We've dreamed for years as, as uh, not only as the pastor, but as staff and as lay leaders, and that we've dreamed that God would do something with our building to make it just better for guests and better for ministry, and it's happening. It's going to be done in about eight weeks. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, one of the, the other things I, I dream about is I dream that maybe someday, you know, the Morris campus will not be setting it up and tearing it down every week, but that God could give us a location. For the Peru campus, I dream that God might help us to outgrow our current situation, which I believe we're close, that he would outgrow this situation and put us in a place where everyone would know where we are and we'd have plenty of room for ministry to continue to expand because I believe that Peru, LaSalle, Peru area is a wonderful opportunity for Crossbridge to continue to expand the mission. Because of that, I feel like I'm in conversations a lot. In fact, um, I have a realtor friend in, in the Peru area and uh, he called me and he said, I have a building that I'd love for you to look at. And don't ask me where it's at. I'm not going to tell you anyway. Um, but I went and looked at the building. And it was, a, it was a great building. And I could see potential. But of course, right, with great buildings and great potential comes great price tag. And uh, he, he called me a few days later. And, and he said, hey, like, what do you think of that building? Like, is it good for ministry space? In fact, he said, if money is not an option, like, if money is no concern, how would that building work? And I said, well, if money is no concern, the building would work wonderful. Um, and then he said, but money is always a concern. I said, money is always a concern, right? And, and then it was interesting because he really, what should have been my line was this realtor's line. And here's what he said. He said, well, Kevin, with God, all things are possible. So let's just hang on and let's continue to walk this out and see what he does. And I thought, 
how interesting, like that should have been what the pastor was saying instead of what the realtor was saying. And here's what I picked up on. Um, I, you know, I'm just developing that relationship. And so I really don't know, you know, what's all going on in his heart. But here's, here's what I heard in the midst of that statement. In the midst of that statement, what I heard was, when God is in a story, when God is on the scene, there is always a possibility of him doing something miraculous and us having a turning point. A turning point that we couldn't bring about, but because he's in the story, he could. And I thought, man, how true that is how true it is over and over and over from circumstances to people, to marriages, to friendships, to jobs, to, I mean, it's everywhere. That when God is on the scene, there's always potential. There's always potential to take what looks like a train wreck and to bring about good out of it. There's always the potential to take someone who is walking towards death, walking towards a mess, walking towards sin, and turn them and, and turn them away from it and bring about something beautiful out of their life. God does it all the time. You know, um, everything the Old Testament has pointed to this day. And it's important, I think, that we see it. In fact, Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 say this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What is happening here to Mary was foretold by a prophet, uh, Isaiah, 700 years earlier. It, it's the first of the least 40, at least 47 quotations that Matthew takes from the Old Testament that refer to the Messiah. It all points to this. Jumping back into the story again, here's what you have, right? Joseph texts Mary. Okay, maybe he didn't text, but Joseph goes to Mary and he says, let's get together. And Mary was around 14 to 16 years old. Joseph tells her about this, this encounter with this angel, this upper story encounter, and he tells her exactly what's going to happen. And he says, I love this, he says, we'll do this together. You know, um, right there, right? If you just pause and you look at Joseph, it just caused me to go, man, I admire that guy. Like, it's one of those things What came to mind for me is I thought, if I'm Mary's dad, I'm going, man, this Joseph, this Joseph is the guy. He, he's a stand-up guy who is, is saying, I'm going to try to do what is right. I'm going to try to do what I'm hearing, even in the face of opposition. Joseph holds true to his faith to believe that God's upper story plan, that even though it wasn't going to make sense to any of his friends around him, that he was going to pursue it anyway. One of the things I love to do, especially right now, I love to watch sports. Right now, we've got this whole Cardinal Cub thing, Brewer thing going on, right? And I'm glued to every single game. We've got NFL games happening, and so uh, it, we've got college football happening. And so there's a lot of sports. And, and one of the things, even growing up, is, is a person who loves to play sports and to watch sports. Maybe for some of you other sports enthusiasts, you, you can connect to this. How many times have you been watching a game, and, and the quarterback drops back, and he launches one in the air, and you're like, no, 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 because you're thinking he's going to throw an interception or whatever, right? There's always the like, or, or the guy steps back, and he shoots from way too far out with someone in his face, right? And you're like, no, 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 and it goes in, and you're like, yes. I've done that a hundred times, right, where I'm thinking I'm yelling at the TV no, and then it ends with a resounding yes as it works out, even though it looks like it never had a chance, 
God's way doesn't always make sense to popular opinion around us. In fact, there's many times, I'm guessing, the armchair quarterbacks were looking at Joseph going, no, 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 no. But at the end of this story, there was probably a, oh, yes. That's exactly how I see this. And, and even though in God's way, um, and we hold steady to it, in spite of popular opinion, here's, here's the beauty of this story is I think Joseph holds steady. It speaks to his faith. It speaks to what he believed in. It speaks to the fact that when the angel spoke, he listened. When our faith holds us steady, our steadiness speaks loudly. Let me say that again. When our faith holds us steady, our steadiness speaks loudly. There there will always be times and situations and life's messes that will rock us at the core. But here's what I hope for you and what I hope for me, that as we continue to grow in our growing relationship with Jesus, that our faith is what holds us steady. Our faith is what gives us peace, and our faith is what says, man, I am grounded and I cannot be moved. And the truth is, when we live that way and people see our steadiness and people see that we're grounded and people see that we have a faith that doesn't move, it speaks volumes. It points to an anchor that we have in our soul that doesn't come from this world, but it comes directly from him. Now, final thing I want us to think about. You think about Mary. You think about her carrying this baby. Uh, one, of the, one of the pictures that came to mind for, for me was this. I believe we're all potential carriers of baby Jesus. In fact, when we, say, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, which I think he desires for every single one of us, he desires to be your Savior for every single person. Just as he came into Mary he comes into you. Not in your womb, that's kind of weird, right? But he comes in your lives. As Jesus grew in her, he eventually came out. And as Jesus grows inside of us, he eventually comes out as well. Maybe you're here and maybe you would say this, that you feel just blemished by sin. You feel guilty of the past and, and maybe even guilt has gone so far to where you feel shame. You say, Kevin, what's the difference? And here's what I would say. Guilt says, I feel bad for what I've done. Shame says, I am bad because of who I am. I just believe that God always wants to say, who you are is not bad. Who you are was created to, to be my child. What you've done is bad. But I love you, and I see value in you, and I can forgive you of your sin, and I can take what is a mess, and I can take what is ruined, and I can do something new. I can birth something new in you. See, do we believe in a God that came to redeem? Not just in this story, but in your story. What if God is orchestrating out of your mess out of your life, a turning point that could be so good. I pray that for you. I pray that you might find enough faith to believe that God can do something new. That there actually could be a turning point that could take you from the direction you're headed and could completely turn your life around in a way in which gets you headed towards Jesus and his plan for your life. Would you bow your heads with me? 
Father, I thank you so much for this birth story that typically we talk about at Christmas. But God, there's so much meaning in it. There's so much meaning in how you came and when you came and that you said before that you were coming and then you actually showed up. And and Lord, all the details in which were spoken of years prior, God, you are faithful and you are good. And in, in those details, we see who you are. We see, God, that you showed up in unusual kinds of places. We see, Lord, that you could take a story that most thought was a scandal and you could make it an incredible redemption, solution kind of story. God, I think about our stories and I think for many of us, we need to hear this today. We need to realize that there is nothing beyond your redeeming hand. There's nothing you can't turn around. There's not one life that you can't create a turning point that makes everything new. God, I trust that as our campus pastors come, I trust you can help people to be obedient to what they're hearing. I believe people are hearing from you right now that you are nudging their hearts. Maybe you're nudging them to say, I need forgiveness. Maybe you're nudging them to say, I need a turning point. God, I believe you're at work. May we be obedient to what we hear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.